Yeah, no, it's not. That's not good enough because they said public, <laughs> public. What do you want this boat to be called? And you know, you ask the public, and you get. It was. It's NARC is the name of the organisation. The National Something 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 were going. We're going to let the public decide what the boat was going to be called, weren't they, Laurie? It it won the vote and. Attenborough came third, so I don't, I don't understand. So, so they wanted a um, Arctic or Antarctic explorer or somebody related in some way to boats. Uh, what is more related to boats than boat boat, boat face? I don't know. <laughs> really? It's Kirsty Styles, and welcome to our post-election weekly economics podcast, where this week I'm joined by Laurie McFarlane, an economist here at the New Economics Foundation, to help us unravel the economic consequences of last week's votes. What a week it's been. London has her first Muslim mayor. Big news for Labour. Scotland has a new Tory opposition. Mr Corbyn, these results are route back to power. Nice to see you all. Good morning. Good morning. Someone had come to my office and said, uh, Prime Minister, pretty soon the Conservatives are going to be the second biggest party in Scotland. I would have told them to go away, lie down. So you're now seeing people, you know, coming to us because we've said, you know, we will do that job. We will say no to a second independence referendum. And there will continue to be a Labour government in Wales. Yeah, people were telling us we'd lose more seats. We didn't. My name is Sadiq Khan and I'm the Mayor of London. So hello, Laurie. Welcome to the weekly economics podcast. First time on. It is indeed. Uh, glad to be here. So there were lots of elections around the little country last week. Uh, the Scottish Parliament, National Assembly of Wales, Northern Irish Assembly, uh, local councils and city mayors, uh, of course, and uh, including the Mayor of London. Can you quickly talk us through the headline results for each of those elections uh, for anyone who's been living under a rock? Yeah, so uh, lots of elections today. Uh, quick headlines there. In Scotland, uh, the SNP have uh, had another relatively comfortable victory. They've fallen just short of an overall majority, uh, which they got last time. Uh, and Wales, Labour have, have held on uh, to power again, although of again fallen short of a, a majority, uh, just marginally. Uh, also some gains by UKIP in Wales with uh, seven members of the Assembly. Um, in local councils, not much has changed overall. Um, I think Jeremy Corbyn may have woken up with a slight sigh of relief um, because I think things haven't gone uh, quite as, as badly as some people were expecting for him. So, um, and the big news in London is Sadiq Khan is uh, the mayor, has been, has been declared uh, the victor. So lots of elections, as we just talked about, uh, and we've only got a short time. So we're going to focus on a few of them uh, and get a sense of what the economic consequences are of those elections. Uh, so uh, let's start with Scotland. Nicola Sturgeon uh, is still the first minister, but a few other things have changed. What are the headlines? Yes. So uh, as I just said, the SNP have just fallen short of an overall majority, uh, which they did, they did get last time. So they're going to have to probably do a deal with uh, someone. And that's probably most likely going to be the Green Party, probably the most likely bedfellows. Um, the Greens did uh, really well. I think they're up at six uh, MPs, which is which is a lot for them. And that'd be enough for them to, um, to, to form a majority government. The other big news is that Labour um, have been beaten by the Tories into second place. So the Tories will be the uh, the formal opposition in the Scottish Parliament, which is uh, which is quite remarkable. I think if that had been said sort of ten years ago, people would, would never believe you. Um, 
so yeah, and, and I think that's a big success for Ruth Davidson, who I think has come out relatively well over the past couple of years, particularly after the referendum, uh, but certainly bad news for, for Scottish Labour. Okay, so the SNP has, uh, as you said, won a, uh, a, well, it's a historic third victory in the Scottish Parliament, missed out on an overall majority. So what do they want to do to the Scottish economy in their third term in government and how will that be affected by their lack of overall control? So in their manifesto, they uh, have a lot of uh, a lot of policies. They talk about uh, making a, uh, a fairer, more equal, and prosperous nation, um, and they have sort of four pillars of economic strategy, um, which which they, they they try and focus on, which is maximising investment, driving innovation, boosting exports, and promoting more inclusive growth. In terms of actual policy, what that means, they've they've got big investment plans um, in affordable housing. They want to deliver broadband to 100% of Scotland for the first time. Still lots of people without broadband um, in Scotland. Um, some interesting things I think is worth probably highlighting. Uh, one of them is they're looking to double the provision of free childcare, um, which uh, is a way to bring parents back into work, but also to try and boost the economy as well. Um, interestingly, they, they've said they're looking to explore the possibility of creating a, a government-owned energy company uh, for the first time, um, as well as a public sector uh, rail company who'd be able to bid uh, as a public sector entity in the, in the rail franchises, which which again would be, would be new. Um, they also say they want to make Scotland the most competitive place in the UK to do business. Um, uh, and by that, they mean cutting business rates uh, uh, even more. There's already quite a lot of cuts for small businesses, but cutting business rates even more for, for firms below a certain size. So quite a mixed bag of, uh, of policies there. So. so during and after the independence referendum, there was a big debate about the economic powers that the Scottish government should have. Uh, how much power do they have over the Scottish economy? And has that changed since the referendum? Well, up until now, the Scottish Parliament has been predominantly a spending parliament. Um, it's had control over uh, reasonable amounts of expenditure, over, over 50%. However, its control over revenue um, and, and tax raising has been uh, more limited. Now, that's been on a gradual shift towards more power, but that completely got transformed after the, the referendum in 2014. Um, after that, the Smith Commission was set up to, to look at uh, devolving more powers um, and then that's sort of making its way through Parliament through, through the Scotland Act. Um, so certainly that brings a lot of new powers to the Scottish Parliament, particularly uh, tax-raising uh, powers. Um, among them, the power to set the rates and bans of income tax. Um, wow. Devolution of air passenger duty is another one. Um, some others, less big ones, share. They get a share of VAT receipts, um, but less of power there. Um, but certainly these tax issues were the ones that dominated the campaign, were key battlegrounds for uh, for the parties. And, and I think it's fair to say that in the area of tax, I think this is an area where some SNP supporters felt a little bit underwhelmed by uh, by what they were proposing because they've been campaigning for a, you know a lot of new powers, um, and what they're proposing was was uh, not that different to what was there before. So for income tax, uh, they're not really changing any of the, the the rates or bans. They're not passing on the tax cut that George Osborne brought in the recent budget to increase the uh, the higher rate threshold. Um, but other than that, it's it's sort of steady as she goes. Um, whereas the other parties, uh, Labour, Lib Dems, the Greens, were all proposing. Uh, to some degree, tax increases. Um, so it was only the SNP and uh, and the Tories who were who were not proposing to for s- significant increases on income tax. Okay, and so that's potentially one of the areas where the Green Party and the SNP might not be able to come to such an agreement. 
Yes, well, that should certainly be interesting. The Green Party uh, had some of the more bolder proposals on tax. So they were proposing to increase the top rate from 45% up to 60%. Um, And they were also proposing to cut the basic rate, which is currently 20%, to 18%. So tax cuts for low earners and tax rises for... um, for high earners. So this should be uh, an interesting point of discussion between if the SNP are looking to do a deal with the Greens, I think tax will be a, a very important area. Another another reason for that uh, is actually to do with council tax. And council tax has been an area where the Scottish Parliament has had, uh, had powers for quite a long time, actually. Uh, it's been the, the main tax that's been devolved. Um, and the reason that's been an issue recently is because the SNP uh, is pretty much as long as they've existed, have campaigned uh, vociferously against the council tax. And in the last parliament, they set up a review to look at alternatives uh, among them. And the, the commission came back with recommendations, things like land value tax, um, local income tax. Um, and the SNP decided to not really do much and basically keep the council tax the same, but tweak the top bans. Um, whereas the Greens, for example, have been very vocal in their opposition to the council tax and very supportive of things like land value tax. So I think that's another area where some were sort of underwhelmed by the SNP proposal but certainly the Greens uh, may well be looking to have an influence there. Wow, well, interesting stuff. So is that uh, similar uh, to what's going on in the National Assembly for Wales? Labour is the biggest party, uh, but again, just short of a majority. What are the economic plans in Wales? Yeah, so in Wales, it's interesting because the uh, in the run-up to the election, Welsh Labour came in for a bit of criticism uh, for the lack of detail in their manifesto. It was by far the shortest manifesto. It was only about 20-odd pages. Uh, (laughs) And we all enjoyed those 20 pages as we did all of the other manifestos. (laughs) (laughs) Well, exactly. You know, it was a a nice brief read. Uh, It didn't have many much in the way of numbers and it had some sort of glaring uh, omissions and big areas of policy. Um, and there was rumours sort of speculating that it was a manifesto for coalition by, by you know, by not including some some things. Nevertheless, there's some interesting things in there, which uh, I think will be good to see what comes of them. So there's talk about a Welsh Development Bank. Um, there's talk of exploring options for trying to end land banking, um, increasing the role of credit unions. They're also talking about delivering a, a, a kind of non-for-profit entity for to bid for rail franchises. So uh, not too dissimilar to what has been proposed um, in Scotland. And they're also talking about business uh, business rate cuts for small businesses as well. Okay, interesting. So how much would you say the UK government determines uh, how the Scottish and Welsh economies are doing as opposed to those devolved parliaments and assemblies? So let's take Scotland first. So in, in Scotland, the new uh, devolution powers that are going to be coming will mean that the parliament will control uh, roughly about 40% of tax um, and about 60% of spending. So that that's quite quite a lot of, of power. Of course, the flip side of that is that they don't control 60% of tax and they don't control 40% of spending. Um, and there are some key areas still reserved, some key taxes, corporation tax, for example, monetary policy, policy in key industries like energy and welfare policy, etc. Um, but I do think there is significant room for manoeuvre uh, in Scotland now. It is. There are some uh, good powers there and I, and I think the Scottish Parliament should be looking to, to make the most of that. Um, in Wales, uh, it's much more limited uh, in, in terms of devolution they do have uh, spending, more spending powers, but again, in terms of actual revenue raising powers, it's still much more limited, around about 10%, I think. Okay, so um, what about London then? The mayor has been uh, has been involved even fewer powers uh, over the economy. Sadiq Khan has just won uh, for Labour in London. What can he do economically for London? 
So the mayor of London, I think the key areas for uh, for the new mayor will be uh, on housing and transport, which I think for those of us that live in London are probably two relatively important things. Um, on housing, he's talking about building more affordable homes um, for Londoners and talking about them being genuinely affordable. And he's talked about sort of part rent, part buy schemes and things like that to make them more uh, slightly more accessible. Uh, on transport, he's talking about freezing fares for four years and a new kind of hopper ticket, which I think the idea is that you pay uh, a small amount and you get unlimited buses for, for an hour or something like that. So uh, it's interesting. I think one of, the, one of the more interesting things to come out of Sadiq's campaign is he has uh, proposed to make London a real living wage city uh, by which means that everyone has paid a, a living wage and I think it's a proper living wage rather than George Osborne's sort of gimmicky uh, living wage that, that he, that's recently came in um, and he's lo- you're looking to use the uh, things that Transport for London and the GLA to, to sort of um, to help impose the, the living wage through uh, procurement and things like that so Right, okay. Um, um, but overall, uh, for local councils in England, not much has changed. Uh, what does their role look like uh, in the English economy? Well, I think it's interesting for local councils because, like you say, not much has changed and it's been uh, relatively low profile. Um, but actually, local authorities actually uh, do have uh, quite a significant role in the economy. They are responsible for spending, last year it was about £150 billion, uh, which is about a quarter of what the government uh, actually spends in total um, and incidentally this has actually been cut quite a lot since 2010 it was much higher uh, than that uh, but there's some important areas as well things like education uh, things like health uh, housing social care transport um, so there is quite a lot it is quite a lot of power and quite a lot of money to spend um, and of course there are some new powers coming the way of of councils uh, I think it was the autumn statement last year George Osborne um, has allowed councils to increase by up a council tax by up to two percent uh, to fund social care um, and also there's talk of uh, of course the, the the northern powerhouse and uh, and in particular Manchester which is um, uh, been getting a, a lot more powers and obviously we heard the news about Andy Burnham thinking about becoming mayor so thinking about getting voted into being there. Sorry. Um, <laughs> brilliant. Well, um, that was a whistle-stop tour of um, the UK uh, elections as they have happened last week. Uh, thanks so much, Laurie, for joining us. Uh, really interesting stuff. Thank you. Thanks. We'll be back at the same time next week. Laurie, did you know that Scottish people are my favourite? Really? Yes. In the world or just in the UK or... Oh, uh, in the world, I think. Yeah. Cheerful, kind of macabre, I would say. Okay. Like, funny but sad. And favourite part of Scotland is? Um, Fife. Ooh. The Weekly Economics Podcast is brought to you by the New Economics Foundation, an independent think tank and charity that campaigns for a fairer, sustainable economy. Find out more and get involved at neweconomics.org. Hello, everyone. Um, we hope you enjoyed the uh, Ecuador documentary. Uh, we've uh, got some incredible reviews uh, from uh, lots of you lovely listeners, but we'd now uh, like to ask you for one more thing, and that is to uh, head to wherever you get your podcast from, click the share button, pick your favourite social media platform, and share the hell out of our podcast, because we want to make sure that more people like you can listen to our work. Mm-hmm.